we can be. Uh, amen. Some of, most, some of the greatest words found in the Bible is Luke 4, 18, where Jesus talks to four men. These are two sets of brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John. And he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishermen of men. And the reason these are some of the greatest words in the Bible is because God knows and understands what he starts with. Let me say that God knows and understands who we are, what we are, and what he's starting with, and he's still going to do something in us. He tells these four men, come follow me. I'm going to do something with your life. I'm going to make something very valuable out of you. I'm going to make you fishermen of men. Uh, amen. How many know uh, these were fishermen? No education to speak of. They're not famous. These men were just common men with common jobs. Uh, like you and I, God uses common people and does great things through them. So it's not what we are tonight, it's what we can be. That's always the, the good news of the gospel. Isaiah 64 says, we are the clay and God is a potter. A potter's job is to make something out of clay. That's his job, amen. And God puts his hand on you and I, verse 8. Uh, but now, O Lord, you are our father, we are your clay, you are the potter. And we are the works of your hand. Amen. So God is making something tonight out of our lives. God is actively uh, helping us. Can you say amen? Jeremiah 18, we start verse 1. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Rise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good for the potter to make. Verse 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do to you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name tonight, I'm asking you, God, to help us. God, speak a word, God, in season to our spirit, God, stir us tonight, uh, help us, God, to be something in your kingdom, God, to be used by you, uh, God, help us to be pliable, workable tonight, touch us, help us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen, I want to preach first on the place, verse 1, the place, so the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise, and go to down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. Every Christian needs a place of worship to call home. Amen. Every believer needs a place of worship to call home. That's my church. That's where I hear the word of God. That's where I'm being discipled. That's where God's using my life. Every believer needs a place to call home tonight. Uh, uh, it is while we're in the potter's house, the church, uh, God can speak to us, God can put his hands on us and shape us uh, and make us usable for the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of God. Uh, this is a picture of Jeremiah's Gideonite, verse 3. As Jeremiah's in the potter's house, uh, he sees a potter making something on the wheel. He said, then I went down to the potter's house, and there he saw making something at the wheel. Amen. God's given us a picture of the house of God. Uh, God's job tonight, if you will, the Holy Spirit, uh, as we're here in the house of God, as we're in, listening to the word of God, God's shaping us. God's shaping and making tonight. God is doing something in every heart, every life, uh, as we are in the potter's house tonight. If God's going to be able to make something out of our life, uh, 
we must have a commitment to the potter's house. We must have a commitment to the house of God. If God's going to uh, constantly be able to shape us and help us, there has to be a commitment on our part. You know, there's truth tonight. When casual churchgoers say to me, God spoke to me, I'm always leery. You know, the hit missers, those that come in just every once in a while or uh, just come around here and there, uh, when they say to me, God spoke to me, I'm always leery because that breaks God's pattern. That's not how God does business. God speaks and molds and shapes. Uh, uh, the faithful, as they're committed to the house of God, as they're coming, uh, God's able to speak and move, Acts chapter 2. The day of Pentecost this is a powerful moment in the early church. The Bible said they're all together in the upper room. Uh, and as they're there together, God's spirit fell upon all of them. They're speaking in, in tongues. But verse 41 follows up on that. They say they gladly received his word were baptized the same day. 3,000 added to the church. Uh, they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread. Uh, amen. The whole premise there is they were there. They were at the house of God. Uh, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They continued uh, in the things of God and the apostles' doctrine, and God began to shape and mold that new church, and it became, as we know it, the book of Acts. But as they were involved in a place, God was able to help them. So the greatest way that God can shape our lives uh, is through his word. Can you, can you say amen tonight? Verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Rise, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. I like how God says this. Let's break it down. Uh, Rise, go down to the potter's house, there I will cause you to hear my word. Cause is a response to an action here. God said, Because you went down to the potter's house, I will cause uh, things to happen now. Uh, as they simply obeyed and committed their life to the, the house of God, a place, uh, God said, I'm going to cause something to take place now. 2 Kings 7. Uh, four lepers, men provide a great example of God causing something to happen. You can read it yourself, start at verse 5. Uh, but here's four lepers, men. You know the story. They're sitting outside the gate. Uh, and they said, you know, why should here we uh, and die? Uh, let's do something. As they went to do something, the Bible said God got involved. Uh, but it says these words, that God caused the army of the Syrians uh, God caused something to happen simply because uh, these four lepers men did something. So in our text here, as they went down the party's house, God said, I'm going to cause something to happen now. Just follow me. Verse 3. God puts value on the marred clay. Look what he says. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel, and the vessel that uh, was made of clay was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Amen. God puts value on our lives tonight. The world may not put value on us. Uh, 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 people that know us may not put value on us. But listen, God values us. God puts value on marred clay. And every one of us are marred clay tonight. If, if we have issues, come on. Uh, amen. We're not the perfect uh, people, but God puts value uh, on marred vessels. God knows long before the potter's wheel that we're marred. When our text says, uh, as he was making something at the wheel, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred, that's for you and I. That's for our benefit. God knew long before uh, that we're marred. 
Uh, amen. God was showing Jeremiah, listen, uh, as a potter's working on the wheel, he's willing to use marred uh, clays, and he's, used, he's willing to use uh, people with issues and problems and make something special out of their life tonight. Uh, but this all comes together as you come to the potter's house, and God's word is able to shape and mold. Uh, God uses marred clay, marred vessels. You know, through the preaching, we find out how marred we are, right? That's what the altar's for. How I many you've been on a preach? You just get convicted, man. You feel at the preaching on, and you see the problems that you have. You see the shortcomings. You see the the issues, uh, and we run to the altar, don't we? Verse four. The good news is, he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make it. God's always got something good for us. God said, if you just give me your life, I will make something good out of it. Uh, it may not look good at the moment. That's why I said what you can be. Uh, you may not have it all together now, but what God can do. Let's look secondly at the worldly mindset that we're up against. You know, the world puts no value on the church, let alone a commitment to the church. You know, when you commit to something, you have to prioritize. When you prioritize, you're putting value on one thing and taking value off another thing. When we commit to church three times a week, uh, prayer before church, uh, revivals, uh, we're putting value on something that many times our work, our, our family, our friends uh, don't put value on. Uh, so that's why we have to make stands as a Christian. Uh, and when you make these stands, uh, uh, it, well, you have to take priority off one thing and put it on another. When I got saved, and, uh, you know, I was working a lot, 60, 70 hours a week. And that's kind of the norm that we just worked as a meat cutter. And when I got saved, I said, I'm going to church on Wednesday nights. I'm not working past this time. Uh, and I had to fight my, uh, my fellow employers, uh, my employees, uh, uh, my boss and stuff, but I made a stance. I'm going to church Wednesday. They tried to work me a couple Sundays. It says, not happening. Uh, I'm going to be in church. I prioritized. I put priority on that. Uh, I had to take off something else, making money, uh, uh, making some extra. I had to prioritize. But when you do that, amen, God helps us. Look at Romans chapter 12. The apostle Paul told the Roman church to prioritize their life. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, uh, that you may prove us a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many know to do that, you got to prioritize some things? You got to make God first. You got to make church special. Uh, you got to make church a part of what you do. Uh, as Pastor Brooks said, I make it a habit. St. Corinthians 6. God said to the Corinthians, Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be your father. I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Amen. So, uh, amen, we're going somewhere tonight. God's going to help us. But we're done with the mindset. Uh, the world doesn't understand church, let alone a commitment to church. You're always going to fight that one. And after a while, you know, after you're safe for a while, you've won it. Uh, if your job, uh, you won it with your family. But it's going to be a fight at first. Not only are we to commit to the potter's house physically, but we're to support the potter's house through our tithes and offerings as well. Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe. That means all of it. Bring the full tithe to the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and there 
by put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing that there will be no room for. So Israel has every reason to tithe here. God says, listen, if you bring the full tithe in, uh, don't rip me, I'll bring the full tithe in. Uh, I'll do special things for you. I'll bless your finance. I'll open the windows of heaven uh, and pour out blessing. It goes even further. Look at verse 11. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that you will not, so it will not destroy the fruit of your soil and your vine in the field shall not uh, fail to bear. Amen. This is how they did business back then. They didn't really have a lot of jobs like we have today. They had their fields. Uh, so they understood when God says, listen, I'll rebuke that spirit uh, that works against your soil, that works against your vine. Uh, I'll make sure that you prosper in life. They have every reason to give. But in verse 8, he says, you're robbing me in tithing and offering even this whole nation. Think about that. Uh, amen. Uh, they have every reason to give, but but they're not giving. The problem, come on. You know, when believers don't tithe for whatever reason or excuse, they bring a curse on the, upon the money they do have. Look at verse 9. You're a curse of the curse for you robbing me, even this whole nation. You know, I'm amazed how someone can believe in one scripture, like First John, if we confess our mouth, his faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, uh, and dismiss another one. Like Malachi 3, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, there may be food in my house. Uh, but Christians do it all the time. Uh, they believe one, dismiss the other, but Jesus said, uh, amen, we're to fully support the work of God, not just come, be faithful, be committed, uh, but we're, now we have a commitment to support the work of God. You know, 2 Corinthians 8 gives us some great insight to watch it work inside those who faithfully and sacrificially give. Look at verse 1. He said, I want you to know, brethren, that the grace of God that has been given among the church of Macedonia, for in severe tests of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify beyond their means, and they're on, on their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part of the relief given to the saints. So uh, here's a church, I'm thinking about this, uh, here's a church that is going through severe poverty. But they are over, they're given, their giving is overwhelmingly gracious. Amen. And Paul's surprised uh, how much is coming in when he's looking about how they're suffering. What they're going through, the jobs they don't have, and the money that's not coming in, but the, the money they're giving, Paul is surprised. You know, most people that don't tithe usually say these two things. I can't afford to give. Or two, they will say, my circumstances don't allow me to give. They will say them two things, uh, I can't afford to give, or my circumstances don't allow me to give. But look at this Corinthians church. They didn't think like that in verse 2. In severe, in severe affliction and extreme poverty, they overwhelmed in a wealth of generosity. They had every reason to not to give. Listen, we don't understand severe poverty in America. We have welfare. We have food stamps. We have all these other things, Social Security. Uh, uh, we have no idea what severe poverty is. Oh, I was in Africa. I seen severe poverty. They have no help from government. 
Uh, we have five, six-year-old kids running around the street half-naked begging uh, for food because they haven't ate for two, three days. Because they have no home to go on. They have no bed to sleep on. Uh, most of them had straw mats. That's what their bed was. We in America have no idea what's extreme poverty, but they do in our text. And the Bible said out of extreme poverty, they gave graciously. You know, the grace of God said so the reason they gave is because they had something working in them called the grace of God. The grace of God here means divine devotion. In other words, within this church, the church of Macedonia was a supernatural love, loyalty, and duty that devoted them to not only God, but to the work of God. They had this working in them. Uh, the, it doesn't matter if they had a dollar or a hundred dollars or ten thousand uh, dollars. Amen. They lived for God the same. Uh, they were devoted uh, to God. They had a dutiful, they, were, uh, they had a duty mindset uh, to work of God, to God the work. We're going to support this no matter what. Listen, our tithing and our offerings show our love, loyalty, and duty to God and to the work of God. When we give our tithe and offering, we say something. Uh, I, they were saying we support what uh, God's doing uh, with the love, with the loyalty, and the duty. Uh, we're going to do this. <coughs> Malachi 3.10. So that there may be food in my house. This word food means supply to meet the needs. In other words, you're giving tonight. Think about it on our level. Your giving allows us to be in this building. Just give you a glimpse. This building costs us about ten thousand a month. Just have church here. That's staggering. Ten thousand a month. But we all together we do it. Uh, all together we 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 do it. But your giving. I want to tell you how powerful your giving is. Uh, your giving, my giving combined. Uh, there's food to meet the needs. Uh, Amen. You provide uh, uh, us a building to worship in, but your giving provides the bills to be paid too. If you came in tonight, the lights were off, you'd be mad at me. Right? If I said, hey, because you didn't give, you'd think I was insulting you. Come on. Your giving buys your supplies. How many likes to go to the bathroom and find toilet paper there? Come on, let's get down where we live. We ain't Muslim. We don't use the hose. Amen. But our giving provides that. So there may be food or supply in my house. So think how powerful the giving is tonight. Uh, our simple tithe and offering uh, as we give all the needs are met. You know, think about God. God doesn't, God's fair across the board. God doesn't penalize the rich or excuse the poor. That's the American thing. We rob the rich to, to provide for the poor. Don't get mad at me. Tithe is 10% rather you rich or poor. God said rather you're rich or poor, 10%. Uh, uh, amen. You give 10% rather you got a dollar, rather you got a million dollars. That's fair across the board because, uh, because that's the way God operates tonight. Now, if you're rich, First uh, Timothy 6, God does speak a message to the rich. Uh, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, uh, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, 
storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come uh, that they may lay hold of eternal life. Amen. So giving is a big part of what we do for God. Again, as we give, uh, that word grace of God means I'm I'm devote, I, there's a divine devotion from my spirit uh, to God, to the work of God. That's why I give. Not because pastors twist my arm. So our commitment is not only to the, uh, to the, only the church and support the work of God, but it's also to be involved. It's good to be, do something in the church. You know, the happiest people in church are those that are involved in something. The most complaints I hear from people in church are folks don't do nothing. Come on. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, now you are a body, you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in, in the church, first apostle, second prophet, third teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healing, then helps, administration, various of tongues. Uh, amen. God said, do something there. God said, listen, I've, I, there's a wide variety of things you can do. Do something uh, in the house of God because that's where you find fulfillment. That's where you find excitement, joy, challenge. Uh, it says we do something. We come to church and we put our hand to the plow. We can look back one day. There's a harvest there because we plowed. Ephesians 4, 7. But to, but to each one of us, grace is given according to the measure of Christ, verse 11. He gives himself, again, he, he mentions different things. Uh, in other words, we have a duty and a responsibility to be involved in the things of God. Our involvement produces things. Look at verse 12. Uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Amen. As we labor together, as we work together in the house of God, we complete each other. We complete the work of God. Uh, we strengthen the work of God as we labor together. But with the, where there's no labor, I was talking to a man this morning, where there's, uh, you know, where there's no uh, uh, um, animal in the stall, it's clean, but there's no work. And there's no food to eat. You know, church is dirty sometimes. gets messy. You get your hands down working with people. But listen, that's where the fruit is. So look, thirdly, surrendered will here. I've had people say to me through the years, God spoke to me. And I don't doubt it. The problem was nothing about their life was moving in that direction. It's one thing to say God spoke to me. Uh, it's another thing to be moving in the direction where God spoke to you. Uh, uh, because just saying God spoke to me doesn't mean a whole lot at the end of the day if it's not playing out. The problem with the rich young ruler wasn't that Jesus didn't speak to him. Jesus did speak to him. The problem was when he heard what would cost him to do the will of God, he went the other direction. So he could say, God spoke to me. I know exactly what to do. I'm just not doing it. Because the price is too high, too much commitment, uh, too much is going to be required of me. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do what God says to do. Uh, and we'd be honest, there's a lot of people today. You may not be the rich young ruler, but there's a stubbornness uh, that says, uh, that says I'm not doing it. I don't want to pay the price. If it was easy, I'd do it. One of the great problems in Christianity is people, or, or uh, one of the great problems in Christianity is what people do after Jesus speaks to them. Verse 5 of our text. 
It's actually an age-old problem that says this, O house of Israel, can I do with you as this potter, says the Lord. Look as the clay's in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. How many times did God pleaded with you, let me use your life. Let me do something through you. Uh, uh, just surrender in this area. Do this. Uh, God said, I'll be glad to move through you. How many's heard that? In the quiet hour, your prayer in the Bible reading, that time at the altar, the Spirit of God is nudging you, pleading with you, let me use your life. It's been said the mind is where we think and reason, but the will is where we decide what to do with what we think and reason. It's easy to say, man, God, man, God speak, I feel stirred in my spirit. Well, the will, put it in your will now. Bring it from the mind down to the will. Genesis 12. God speaks to Abraham, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country from your father's house, or from your family and father's house, to the land that I will show you. And we preach that a hundred times, right? You know, he's 75 years old. He's not 20. You know, when I was 20, 30 years, I was moving everywhere, preaching, going to this place. Not 75. Think of the sacrifice. Think of the surrendered life Abraham and Sarah had. That 75 years old, uh, they're still obeying. They're still surrendered enough uh, uh, to when God speaks. I know that's God's voice. We're doing it. Think of the surrendered life that had to be there. Moses, Exodus 3. The Bible says, tending the flock on the backside of the desert. An angel of God appears in a fire, and, now, and God begins to speak to him. Moses, Moses, uh, and we know the story that Moses, he's 80 years old here. He's not a spring chicken again. Uh, he's 80 years old. God speaks to him, but he's surrendered enough to God uh, where he says, I'm going to go back to Egypt, and I'm going to obey the will of God. And when he does that, we know Abraham, uh, he left his father's house, and he finds a country uh, or finds a place God begins to build up a nation called Israel under him. Uh, Israel exists today because of a man surrendered to God a long time ago. Moses, again, leads three million people out of Egypt and out of bondage uh, across the Red Sea to the, uh, to the banks of the Jordan River simply because he surrendered. Think of what you can be for God tonight. What can God do through your life if you simply surrendered? What has God spoke to you tonight? Remember, we're marred vessels. I understand that, but God can make beautiful vessels out of marred vessels. Get some pictures. Get some pictures you can put up there. Keep going. Get some more. I said, okay. I've watched the potter work. You can turn it off. But I've watched the potter work. I've watched them make it on the wheel. I mean, they just use this lump of clay, water, in their, and, but at the end, that's beautiful. They get done to something you wouldn't even imagine. And God said, listen, I can do that in your life. God can make something beautiful out of your life. Amen. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have earthen treasure, or we have these treasures in earthen vessels. That's the excellence of the power of God may be revealed through us. God said, I want to do something powerful through your life. I would do something so powerful that's all people are going to see is me through you. Isn't that wonderful? When somebody looks at your life and says, man, I can tell they're a man or woman of God. When you lay your hand on a ministry, there's fruit. Uh, 
God's moving and, and people say, man, God is using them. God is moving through them powerfully, Ephesians 2.10. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know what God's saying? I've got something for you is what he's saying. I prepared things for your life. I just need you to walk in that direction. What he's saying, we can do the will of God. What a joy it is. Matthew 4. Think about Peter and Andrew, James and John. As you read their books later, they're looking back in time. Uh, you would never know that was Peter. If you read his books, uh, he's unbelievable. He's got wisdoms. Uh, but at first, it's just Mark Clay. They're fishermen, uneducated, not famous, just common God. But at the end, God's wonderfully used his life. That's a picture of all of us. Let me bring this to a close tonight. Listen, the place of God is critical. We need a place to call home. When you don't have a place to call home tonight, uh, it just gets weird. You know, when your neighbors don't come to your house and sleep in your bed, do they? Now you say, that's my bed. Get out of there. No, they got their own home. We have to have a home church. We have to have a place where we hear the word of God. We call home. Uh, we build relationships. We build, uh, uh, we, we arm in arm, we labor together. We need to prioritize church. Listen, church is important tonight. Can't just say, well, if I can make it, I'll be there. If not, uh, oh, well, uh, we have to prioritize. I'm going to be in the house of God Wednesday. I'm going to be in there Sunday. Uh, I'm going to let the other things uh, get above my priority to church. Church where God speaks and where God shapes us. Secondly, the worldly mind uh, does not understand commitment to church. And does not understand our giving to church. Mir Mona, when we, after we got saved, we were saved for a few months. And we write checks. I know this generation didn't write checks. But we write checks and we'd pay our bill and we'd lay our checks on the table. On we'd have our electricity bill there, check on that one, water check on that one, church check on that one. I remember some of our family come over one day and see what we gave to the church. They're, they're having a cow, you know, they're going and I say, hey, listen, we church is important to us. Uh, we're giving to our church. And we've been giving it ever since. Listen, your giving supports and puts food in the house here that we can enjoy all the other stuff, all the way down to the toilet paper. Three, let me ask you, do you have a surrendered will tonight? Can God put his hands on you and work out the, the martyr and make something powerful out of your life? It's required a surrendered will tonight. But if you got it, I'm telling you, God can do something powerful in your life. And, and as listen, time goes by, one day you're going to look back, you're going to have some regrets, you're going to say, thank God I surrendered. What's it going to be tonight? I want to bow our heads. Let's bow our heads tonight.